The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Nothing. Uh, All right. Uh, Do you want to kick it off? Let's kick it off. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. All right. Welcome to the premiere of bare bones to ir and back again i am one of your co-hosts mason west and i'm going to be and i'm pretty pumped to be bring along danny Meehan. danny why don't you introduce yourself oh hello i'm danny and i'm gonna fi- i'm gonna finally nip this in the butt because everyone does it it's been happening since i was god caught six five six years old when i started going to school regularly it's not Meehan. it's me Soft I age. literally was going to ask before, and I was like, it has to be. That's what it has to be. <laughs> no, why would you ask that question? Um, but no, we're, we're good. It's, uh, it's always a good day in the neighborhood. The Bears are 2-1, and one, and we're going to dig into that along with a multitude of other stuff on our brand new show, Bare Bones to IR and Back. Absolutely. So we, we kind of had to pick some like logos to represent ourselves. Danny decided to go ahead with this guy. <laughs> Just, uh, this is who he is, the flaming bull. I decided to go along with this one because I'm a physical therapist. work at Team Rehab Physical Therapy in Barrington, Illinois. Uh, this show is going to heavily look at injuries that the Bears are dealing with, what that looks like for the rehab process, uh, and then also trying to move forward uh, across the league, checking out a couple other injuries, and then we'll react to the game that we just saw like a little while ago because Danny and I haven't gotten over that quite yet, and then we'll look ahead to the next game. <laughs> Sound like a scorned X because we're not over that quite yet. It's, it's fine. <laughs> so very first thing we're going to do is our knee jerk reaction. Danny, at, right when you finished watching that game, what was one of your first thoughts? My first thought was that run defense is terrible. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, I get it. Damian Pierce was the hype train of fantasy lovers all all throughout the offseason as mini camps and OTAs and stuff and training camps started to break. And it's like one of those things when you realize Akeem Hicks isn't coming through those doors, Khalil Mack ain't coming through those doors. The rest of the linebackers, aside from Roquan Smith, as fun as um, the linebacker that they brought over from the Raiders, who I'm drawing a blank on his name at the moment, can be to watch – in terms of just his pure athleticism, because he's essentially built like a small a small linebacker or a big safety, they're just not equipped to stop the run. Like you can be as disciplined as you can, but at a certain point, if you're getting blown off the ball, like Nicholas Morrow, there it is. Um, 
Uh, thank you, John. <laughs> uh, but, but that's like, like, I think prior to that game, I'm not sure if they're still pacing for it, but prior to that game, they were pacing to be the all time worst run defense in, in yardage allowed in the year 2022. So not great to say the least. That was my immediate reaction along with why does this win feel so empty? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, those are some pretty solid points. When you're looking ahead now at the, the next game, it's some some foreboding thoughts, right? Because we'll yeah. talk about that in a little bit. Because if that's the immediate reaction following, like you said, a Pierce performance, uh, man, what's going to happen when you have Saquad running at you? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, clearly, time will tell. My knee-jerk reaction was that the brain trust that is Getsy and Eberflus do not trust Justin Fields, and Justin Fields does not trust his wide receivers or offensive line. There's there's not a lot going around, trusted going around Hallis Hall. You, you saw it. You saw a clip that went around today that Getsy went to Fields on the sideline, said, you know, don't worry, we're going to come after you through that second interception. We're going to go right back at you. I'm going to give you the ball. And he kind of did, but then you look at a play like the deep pass he had to Cole Komet, which wasn't the hardest pass in the world to make, but he, he nailed that one, and then it was – bunch of runs in a row and that to me doesn't show trust and then when you watch justin he's lining up and he sees a lot of these passes right he, but he hitches and then he decides to run or he hitches and then he goes to the next read so he's not he doesn't mm-hmm. really trust his receivers to be able in the right position doesn't trust his receivers to make in theory the catch just not a lot of trust period it almost feels like he's become football robot and that's kind of a term i used to describe when i was watching desmond ritter pre-draft and i think uh, if we were to get Jacob Infante in here, he would echo the same thing that I said to him on a uh, lunch pail that it's just like, it looks like he's so clearly thinking, don't do this wrong. Don't do this wrong. This is supposed to do be here. This is supposed to do that. I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C instead of just in, in essence playing football, but I'll delve more into that later. Cause I got more thoughts on that. Absolutely. And next we have uh, to be a perfectly honest. This is a segment where <laughs> where we say something brutally honest that each of us took from the game and that we want theory to apply to the next one. Just had to you know give that for that awesome joke that we had going on here. So Dan, Danny, what is what is your t- perfectly honest moments? Well, it's kind of piggybacking off of what your knee jerk was in the offensive truck trust or lack thereof or truck. I don't know if the offense has a truck. I, I could be I could be completely wrong. Um, but it's the offensive crossroads. So, right, the, the run game looks tremendous, something it never looked under the previous regime. But the offense clearly is just on the passing end, just not clicking. It's just hard to watch. Everything is so dis, disjointed and ugly. Like, like you kind of like you kind of stated initially, like they have no trust in one another. Justin doesn't trust the play call or what he's seeing. Therefore, Luke Getze doesn't trust to call the passing plays he should in given instances. Hence all the second and third and long runs, which is unbelievably annoying to watch as a fan because you want them to let Justin throw, but at the same time, you have to understand where the coaching staff is coming from. Mm-hmm. And then the when Justin doesn't trust his eyes, that leads to what, what else? Lack of trust in his weapons. Are they actually open? Lack of trust in his protection. Even when he's getting time, he's doing things that when you evaluate a quarterback, especially 
coming out of the draft or, or early on in their career is they start to see and feel ghosts, things, pressure that isn't there. And he's starting to, to mimic some of that. And it's like, I'm having these nightmares of like Sam Darnold on the Jets sideline, literally getting caught on, on a hot mic saying I'm seeing ghosts. That is like one of the hardest things in my personal opinion to break yourself of once you're, once you start feeling and seeing that pressure that isn't actually there. It's like something's got to happen. Something's got to give almost in order to make something or in order to make this work much better than it has been. Oh, absolutely. It's like Pavlov's dog, right? At some point you've heard the bell mm-hmm. ring so many times you're going to start salivating. Unfortunately, in this case, it's just the negative version of that. Right. You just got to hope that you create the bears can create enough situations that that slowly gets pulled out of Justin. And then this trust we're talking about gets brought back. Yeah. Hopefully it's just not too late. So my perfectly honest take brutally honest that I had was that David Montgomery may not get a contract extension, or if he does, it's not going to be the one he's looking for. And the reason I say that is now this is the second year in a row where Khalil Herbert, i got to say that right because Khalil is not right. It's Lil. It's Khalil. Right? Khalil. Yeah. Uh, he's currently leading the league in rush yards over expected per attempt at 2.71. The other running backs right after him are DeAndre Swift, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, and Chris McCaffrey, which some of those names are pretty good category to be along with. Dave Montgomery, unfortunately, mm-hmm. is 23rd with negative 0.32. And then uh, Jacob Infante had a really good tweet that talked about how Herbert is third in the NFL with 3.1 yards after contact per rush and also third in attempts per broken tackle with 6.6. Well, now Monty leads a league with 4.4 rushes per broken tackle, but that's pretty darn close by Herbert. Herbert also ranks 10th in rushing yards after contact per attempt, Montgomery's 15th, third in rushing yards before contact per rush attempt, only behind Lamar Jackson, DeAndre Swift. Montgomery is 41st in that category. And Herbert ranks fifth in average time behind the line of scrimmage, while Montgomery is 35th. So he's getting to that hole and bursting forward and has a little more speed than Montgomery does. Now, I'll throw the caveat in. Dave Montgomery is a leader in that locker room. He's a voice in that locker room, mm-hmm. a veteran presence that you're not going to replace. And if you did, if you didn't bring him back or if you didn't offer him that contract extension of some kind, you're gonna lose some of that clout that you're you were able to pull away with the coming in with the hits and all that stuff we also know the offense is going to do better with multiple running backs we saw that in up in green bay they have two really good backs one of them is currently being paid the other one isn't and the other thing is this injury history right i mean he's always been able to bounce back he's a cyborg we're going to talk about that a little bit later but you know this is now the second year in a row with something potentially mcl related mm-hmm. he's had some nicks and bruises along the way with herbert's emergence you're going to have a reduction in potentially the years of money that Montgomery's going to be offered. And he's going to take that. I mean, you're not going to give him some of these contracts, sure. these top guys like CMC is getting 16 a million average annual value over with four years. Elliot's at 15. Alvin Kamara's at 15 mil. Dalvin Cook's at 12.6 mil. Derek Henry's at 12.5 mil. Are you going to give him that deal over that many years? That's no. Mm. And then the question becomes like, even if, if the production continues at the rate it is, what is the number you're even comfortable giving him to bring him back and what is he expecting is he expecting 10 or 11 or is he more in the realm of seven or eight i mean it's one of those things like i'm very big into believing leadership in the locker room matters and maybe that's a much more antiquated school of thought but when you have a guy like you brought up the, the hits principle 
like who's willing to eat glass and run through a burning building to go play for you. That stuff matters. The clout, the belief system in what you're trying to do all matters. Yeah. And that's, that's so, so important. You're, you're still re, you're rebuilding. Let's not even get joke around. Yeah, it's, it's not a retool. It's not a re, yeah. revamp. This is a, they ripped this thing down to the absolute studs. You can just you can see that with like let's use the Roquan Smith saga that went on at the beginning of camp. They're also not going to throw out money that they don't feel a player is worth, or that will hurt the team in the long run. So, can the Bears find a middle ground with Montgomery that they, that everyone's happy, or you know, is there going to be like no, I deserve X amount, and they're going to balk at that and say, it, okay, well, we got cool. And to be clear, I'm, I'm Mr. Pro Player. Go get every dime you're worth. You have a finite number of years on this career. I mean, we're seeing it right now. We don't know how long he's going to be gone. He's a running back. He's going to take hits. That's just what they do. Absolutely. Our next segment. What do you find humorous? (laughs) I found to be humorous, and I'm just going to keep it simple, going into halftime with all of your timeouts. You know, I I get it. There was was a lot of rockiness in that first (laughs) half. You didn't trust what Justin was able to do came getting down the field. You didn't want to punt it back to the other team to, and potentially give up three points, but to leave with all three timeouts, that's just funny to me. Uh, yeah. Especially when you had, I believe it was a minute or so left when you got the ball back. So you could have at least tried to do something. You had all three of your, all three of them. You, you don't take They don't carry over. It's not like you get six in the second half there, Mr. Eberflus. What about you, Danny? what do you find humorous? Um, on the rewatch, just kind of Cole Komet because it's kind of the same thing, different week, so to speak. The guy, his best friend is the ground, is what I've come to the conclusion of. That at some point in the play, he is going to end up on his side, on his butt, just face for he's just on the ground. Like, he's quite frankly, like. I was never a fan of the pick, and I know bringing up his draft status at this point doesn't even matter. It's a sunk cost at this point. You just hope he becomes the best version of himself that he can. But he's just not good. And on the uh, the rare instance that he's able to have a target, it's an adventure if it's even going to be caught. Like I just find watching him humorous in the way of you got to laugh to keep from crying almost. Because it's like it's not just bad; it's it's borderline horrendous to watch him play football. And it's like I, I don't want him to be this. I want him to be Rob Gronkowski or or whatever iteration of a high level tight end you can think of. He's just not. And time, it's frustrating. Time and time again, yeah, time and time again. I don't know. That's that. That was what I found humorous, but it was like, like I said, I the humorous are really sad. <laughs> that would be funny at all. <laughs> laugh to keep him crying. <laughs> well, a less fun segment of our show, Concuss Corner. This is oh. an area where something we did not like in the last game. A decision so odd that the decision maker must be concussed in order to make said decision. Now, Danny, I, in literally our first episode, have gone off the rails and went entirely different route with, with this, so I apologize already. Mine was looking at the Justin Fields situation, so much as was made on, you know, the Bears Twitterverse and, and all that re- regarding press conferences, what he's saying, what, what he's doing, is there's so much going on here. 
and not mm-hmm. looking at the situation as multifactorial to me, some people who are looking at this got to be concussed. For example, I look at that first interception, uh, 2.55 left to go in the first quarter, right? Has Cole Komet, sails the ball, first interception of his career for uh, Petrie. And you go, and right after the game, Justin straight up gives the answer when someone asks him about what happened on that play. And he says, Cole is my first read. I missed the throw interception. That should be the end of the story. Instead, the next day, two days later, it's just all of this, you know, St. Brown, wide open. St. Brown, that would have been a touchdown. If your first read is open, right, boom, boom, first read, why would you not throw to that one? Why would you go to your second or third read, who might also be open? And he admittedly, it was just a bad throw. It was a terrible throw. And he he said as much. Yeah. If it was a didn't he have to stop himself? Didn't he have to literally stop himself from saying the throw was ass? Like to the reporter? Like, like I wanna say that's something that happened. Regardless, like, yes, the it's it basically becomes, you know, the the idea that hindsight's always twenty twenty or and that hot hindsight analysis is an analysis. It's just you saying what you think he should have done. He, Equinemius was not going to get that ball. His first read was open. First read open, ball out. That's the rule. <laughs> like, he, would you love him to make the progression and just see Equinemius on the outside streaking? Sure. But if he completes the pass, you're not really saying boo. It's not, it's not the fact that he targeted commit it's how awful the result turned out yeah absolutely and that's that's my that's my issue with it exactly right if it's easy to go back and change things be an armchair coach head quarterback however you want to put it at the end of the day though again if that pass was completed no one would have been bringing this play up we would have moved on and so Mm -hmm. we we can't look for what wasn't necessarily there that's all what do you got what was your what's your concussed corner thought uh, it doesn't need much uh, recovery. It's the same thing you kind of brought up in our last segment. It was the carrying three timeouts. Why? Why are you not at least trying? Like, that bugs me to no end. This, and it, Granted, it's part of the nature of some coaches and defensive coaches tend to be, you know, play safe, just get, get to where you need to go and try again later. But at a certain point, you do need to evolve. And – you know, it's not like he's new to this league. He's been in the league with a very, to my knowledge, forward-thinking head coach in Frank Reich, who does believe in aggression and trying to make things happen. But that isn't what happened. So it doesn't need much more reco- much more covering on our end. You brought it up. That was kind of my concussed corner, and there's not much else to say. Use the timeouts. Try to make more plays. That's what it comes down to. Very good point. Next, we're going to move on to our jaw-dropping stat. This could either be from our from the last game, something that leading into the following game, the season as a whole. Boom. I, my jaw-dropping stat, i got to pull it up because actually it's a nice little visual here. Oh, so, look at you. This was something that came from a Timo Risk's post. Risk, I'm butchering the last name, so I have no idea how to actually say that. Um, but it's at PFF underscore Moo. What a great handle. What you can see on this... <laughs> is essentially what happens across the league with every single pass. If you direct your eyes all the way to the bottom of the screen, you can see that the Bears exist down there with 64% of the balls reaching the target, 
is leading to a scramble, 4% throw away, 15% sack, 1% batted pass or bro- broken incompletion, which is well below that league average. And if you look at that green bar, which again, which how many are getting to the target, that's nowhere where you want to be in this league. That's not what you necessarily wanted from Justin Field in year two. And the fact that 30% of your your passing plays are ending in a scramble or a sack is no bueno. No, that's in fact the very opposite of bueno. What about you, Danny? What do you got for your stat? Um, the stat that I just that I really enjoyed um, was actually brought up, brought to my attention by Quentin Crisco or Q Butkus stats on Twitter, where the Bears are uh, averaging on first down, I believe it was more EPA generated with first down runs than most than 16 teams are passing the ball, which is just absolutely mind boggling in a sense, because running is supposed to hurt your team more so than help your team and up the eyes of many. Um, I guess the other one is 45 attempts through three games for passing. If I had to like, just make one easier, like they are literally doing something that hasn't been done in like 40 years. (laughs) I literally had that written down for one of our later segments where, (laughs) yep, that the passing offense has completed 23 passes through three games. The first team with so few completions in 40 years. The last team to do that was in 1982. All the other teams in the top 10 of that that category played in the 1970s. So the Bears' offensive game plan is literally setting football back decades. It's absolutely wild, which is an understatement. I just – it has to be better – you can't go – that's the thing. It has to go up from here, right? You'd think. Yep. It can't get much worse, I guess, except for that literally it kind of kind of can, but I don't think it can. I don't think it should. I mean, eventually law of averages, right? Like it's they've got to, you know, pro, in this case, progress to the mean, right? Like they've got to normalize a little bit. You imagine that'd be the case. And that actually is what we'll talk about a lot going into this next game against the Giants, how this might be actually potentially a get right game, even though the Texans was really also supposed to be a get right game. So yeah. now next segment coming up, training room roundup. So this is where we're going to really do dive into the current injury report, what we got, uh, potentially what's going on with some of these players best that we know at this point in time and what the outlooks are. And we got a fun little visual for that too, don't we? We do. (laughs) Oh, look at, look at that. We came prepared on show one. Yeah. (laughs) Look at that. We have the injury report for the Chicago bears. So some of these, we're not going to go too crazy with one thing that, isn't up here is Lucas Patrick, just because obviously we're still talking about the uh, broken hand. One thing that's interesting last week, you know, we did see some clips of Patrick snapping. I personally thought that, okay, that's it. He's able to snap. Let's go. But it turns out that was only about five minutes total across that entirety of that practice that week. And actually to, when they talked to Luke Getzey recently, Courtney Cronin actually tweeted this uh, saying that, Luke Getzey said Patrick is fine with the operation, but Bears aren't ready yet to make a determination of moving him to center full-time. You're coming off that type of injury, Getzey said. We've got to keep building up, and when we feel really good about it, then we can make a real decision of are we going to move him to center full-time or not. 
But right now, I don't think we're at the point just yet of feeling that comfort. My question to you, Danny, is I don't believe it's necessarily personally like a strength issue per se. I think the hand the hand's good at this point. It's healed up. That's not it. Is there a chance that it's something else more play style? I mean, it could be, but I mean, Mustafer in a, in all reality doesn't fit either style. He's not strong enough to do the Adam duos power stuff that they're going to occasionally run, and he's not athletic enough to do the zone stuff. Like he he's his calling card is his smarts. He's a very smart football player. He's never like he knows who he's supposed to block. It doesn't mean he can do it, but it means he knows where he's, he knows his keys and he knows where he's got to be. I mean, I, I have to imagine that it's more like you would know better than I do, but to my knowledge, the surgery he had was like a six week recovery. Right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he's got to be back then because we're past, we're at six or past six now, like seven, six. We're six going into seven, I believe. So, I don't. Maybe maybe it's Lucas Patrick behind the scenes telling him like his hand doesn't feel right. Uh, I, it's pure speculation on my end, but at a certain point, you got to get your best five out there. And Mustafer's plainly put is just not one of your best five. And actually, a good comment I want to bring up here. It could inherently be the strength of that hands. Um, my experience with that is especially the fact that he was able to play with that cast on. Over that the last three or so weeks of of him in that recovery process, the strengthening should progress to the fact that he can hold on to the football and snap it. Mm-hmm. It's I can't. I know I'm not in the training room. You know I don't know everything that they're using. Uh, I've talked about what I would have done, what I would use. Um, if truly that there is an operations issue, like he just can't control the ball well enough, that's essential. That is why, right? Right. That is why he's not in there. So the hope is that really you only make true strength gains over six weeks as well. So in order to get to that top end part, two, three weeks. Right. And isn't and isn't the other adage you lose 75% of all gain strength within three or four weeks due to atrophy, right? So yes. mm-hmm. um it's but I mean, so figure he was in the cast. I mean, we might be another, what, two weeks from him getting back to the full strength in that hand, as it were, if you're talking about – I mean, well, that six- to seven-week timeline is for him just to have normal use of his hand. We're not talking gripping a football and actually, like, you know, engaging and using your grip strength on the chest plate or the shoulder of a, of a defensive line. So, I mean, I don't know. I would like to see him play – I especially with his knowledge of the system familiarity with Getze. Like, I think that's a big improvement, just plain and simple. But, I mean, what what else are we supposed to do? They're in the training room. We're not. <laughs> right. And, and the other part, too, is just that flow of inconsistency, the muscle memory, being able to have, hopefully, you think Jenkins play right guard consistently every snap, have Patrick play center every snap, and not have this, you know, in and out, I get why they're doing it, but at this point in time, mm-hmm. it's it's tough to be really in any sport and float in and out. That's why, for example, go to the NBA. It's tough when tough to find those guys who can come off the bench, give you ten points, and then just go sit on the bench because they're not right. the game. Same thing can be said for Patrick and for Jenkins. Yeah, so I, I, I can see that. 
some of these other injuries we're not going to go heavily into because they're kind of not the, nothing's going to go on with them. Matthew Adams, Dan Crookshank with those hamstrings, you can kind of connect that to Bayless Jones in a way. They're not going to mm-hmm. be back anytime soon. They didn't participate. Moving on. Ryan Griffin, <laughs> when, going from a limited participation to a did not participate is not good. Uh, when you're dealing with tendons of any kind, especially Achilles, that probably means he probably got real flared up. He tried, you know, running around, tried to do some of the drills, and boom, that Achilles just was, mm-hmm. was gnawing at him. So they sat him, sat him out again. Uh, so I, I wouldn't expect him to be playing in this game. We'll see how Friday looks, but I would think it's another DNP. Uh, the ones that are starting to get into the ones that, like, skip some of the other ones. Robert Quinn, illness. Who knows what that is, right? Could be a stomach bug. Could be a cold. <laughs> eh. Whatever. Yeah, that's, to me, very non-worrisome. Cairo Santos on the DNP for personal reasons. Again, don't, don't read too much into it. And then Sterling Weatherford, while – interesting and has a lot of interesting tools Colts have talked about how they wanted to sneak him back onto their onto the team after cutting him yeah. Yeah, on the practice squad it's also one of those things where he didn't log a single defensive snap um, definitely need a bit more on special teams of course because you are a missing guy like Matthew Adams but you know, you'll, you'll live with that when you got the Jack Sanborn perfect football player sitting right there for you perfect football player I guess that begs the question, should we move on to the missing man, as it were, in Bayless Jones? Yes. So regarding Bayless, (laughs) he straight up said he re-aggravated his hamstring a few weeks ago. And that was something that I had thrown out there when I was doing that podcast with Lester. Mm -hmm. The the last two times we've done it is he just re-aggravated. It's it's a grade one hamstring strain, but the problem is, you know, at the end of the day, when you are in the training room as the either the the personal, uh, sorry, as the athletic trainer, physical therapist, or the case may be, there are definitely things you feel underneath your hands and that can give you some information, mm-hmm. whether in strength testing and all that. But you really do also use the, the subjective reports from your players. So if Bayless says, hey, no, I'm feeling great. If you're doing a test and the players, yeah, that doesn't really hurt me at all. You're going to use that. And they probably let him go back in. He re-aggravated it. They had to bump him back down. Now, we've seen a lot of videos recently that have actually shown him really ramping it up. He could play this week. I want to see what Friday looks like before I can say for sure, but there is a chance he will actually see the field. And, and to the to that point, I really want Bears to temper their expectations on what he's going to do, especially right out of the gate. Could he end up being otherworldly and just this thing no one saw coming for the most part down the line? Sure, he absolutely could be. He, he would be quite literally at his age and production and – all the time he spent in college would quite literally be one of one to do that. But I hope that is the case. But you're talking about a guy who hasn't frankly played much, let alone practice, who's based all on speed, who hasn't gotten any reps with the first team or second team, really, aside from the one preseason game where he might have rushed himself back because he seems like that kind of person where he's going to, the second he feels like he's right, he's going to, screw it, let's go, I want to play. And he's probably going to be, at at least at first, during his quote-unquote ramp-up, I would guess more of a gadget where you're going to see him as a return guy and used in like jet motion and bubble screens and stuff like that, just trying to get the playmaker the ball in his hands because of just the pure threat of speed. I, mean, I was just going to say the same thing. Uh, he's going to be even limited in the game, right? He's not going out there and running as many snaps as Mooney is, you know, same thing with, as with St. Brown. 
he's going to be some more gadgety. Maybe he's going to do your kick return, punt return, which, I mean, that has not been good. Ted has, has not been it as a returner. Ebner had one okay one. The rest have been not great. Um, you're not – he's not going to be running a ton of routes if he does play. So have tempered Oops. expectations. Look for maybe a couple boom plays. Yep, and maybe you'll occasionally see him on a fly just to – just the as the adage goes, speed kills. Like, yes, especially with his defense on the Giants. We'll get to that in a second, though. Yes, um, yes, we will. A couple of these other players. Jalen Johnson did not participate again. Uh, reports are that he was on a bike today. So he was out there on a bike, but I, at the way rate this is going, <laughs> I wouldn't expect him to play. He was uh, out there. He was on his bike. It was fine. Quad's tough. Um, if it was something super serious, he'd be on IR by now, right? Um, most likely stra- a grade two, one or two strain. Uh, or like a, a maybe even like a, I wouldn't even want to say bone bruise because that would most likely be IR at this point because that's a four to six week at a minimum, more mm-hmm. like six to seven healing process. So more likely than not, uh, he's not going to practice, but or sorry, playing the game, but uh, he's kind of moving in the right direction. Uh, David Montgomery, he's still listed as ankle knee, even though Eberflus uh, talks about him as being as being just ankle, which is interesting. Um, the other th- thing that's odd. And actually, the next part we're gonna like bring up here, boom, we got video. So, oh my god, the tech wizard himself. Yeah. So what we're gonna look at? <laughs> if you look at the right, this side of the screen here, we can already see. I kind of queued it up for us here. This is where ultimately we're gonna end up at. But Montgomery's gonna be to the left side of fields here, right side of the formation, depending on how you want to look at it. Fakes that play action, goes to block Petrie coming off the Petrie, edge. Yep. And unfortunately, right, we got the linebacker being blocked downwards at Fields' ankles and just happens right boom there to hit the back outer aspect of that right leg, which is going to overly stress that MCL, so that medial collateral ligament. And that's why uh, everyone, including myself, who was commenting on this uh, in the medical world was saying, hey, this is an MCL because the fact that you have that much force being pushed directly straining that, that ligament there. It's not. The other thing you can see is that the toe is planted into the ground there. Yeah, his ankle's getting rolled up on. His ankle's getting rolled up on. And when you go that direction, that's not – usually if you can think about a rolled ankle, you're thinking a lateral ankle sprain, right? So the body going over, uh, the ankle going to the right, in that case, for the right leg. This, And that's why we're thinking high ankle, just because of how the body move, force the foot to collapse inwardly and flatten down. That's where you're going to have rupture of the deltoid ligament, the syndesmosis between the tip. I was actually just going to get ready for the people listening. Can you please explain what a high ankle sprain is? Because <laughs> I know we we hear that and it's like it's almost like turf toe. It doesn't sound like a serious injury, but it's one of those things that you really it is a serious injury. This can keep you out upwards of four to six weeks, depending on the severity of the high ankle sprain itself. Yeah, so that's the thing. It can, the severity of the high ankle sprain is definitely going to dictate it. So because you're going to have some more mild ones, grade one, two, and that's going to be like a three to four week, hey, just ch- hang out and rehab process. But you're also going to have the more serious ones. Uh, good examples being Nikhil Harry, right? Bears are going through this right now. Um, and then or when it comes to Mac Jones, I mean, that's a that's a big difference going on right there for him because he's got a severe high ankle sprain, which is when the talus, which is this dome-shaped bone, goes straight up into your tibia and fibula. And what happens is when that happens, they get pushed over to the side, that syndesmosis tears, and 
<laughs> and then every single time you walk, now that tail keeps getting pushed up and you do this happens over and over and over. And what is running besides just that? And so that's why they're such so hard to recover from. That's why a lot of people opt to do the surgery. Uh, it's, it's the tightrope surgery is what it's called, correct? Surgery. Yep. So your traditional surgery that you would normally do for a high angle, you take a couple <clears throat> screws, throw that in, locks the tip fit together. Problem with that is twofold. One, the tip fib is a very flexible area. And if you do screws, it's so solid, almost to the point where you now you have to compensate at the knee mm -hmm. and lower down in the ankle. And it's hard to be a football player if it's that solidly in there. Also, you end up usually having to do a second surgery to remove those screws, which is just a thing you have to do. So the tightrope takes, and there's a lot of different material you can use for it, but basically a very a flexible material and puts that in between so that you have some of that natural play of the tibia and fibula. And that way, when you're coming back, you can usually rehab a little sooner it doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. speed up your recovery process, but it makes it a bit of an easier recovery process. Okay. And that, friends, is why, why Mason is here. <laughs> <laughs> and so right now, I mean, they're, they're listing Montgomery as day-to-day, -day, and he literally could be day-to-day -day at this point. And from what we're, what we're hearing, if it was going to be a four to six week, which was, originally I thought he was going to be out six weeks, just seeing that, seeing this video that I just replayed here, um, I thought it was going to be a six-week injury. But the fact that they haven't thrown him an IR, even though he had a large, large man just collapse, collapse on that leg, he's, I mean, he's a cyborg. He's, he's right. Away he, from tons he's, of injuries. he's like, he's almost like Wolverine in a sense where it's like anything that should keep him out longer doesn't like there was that even, I think it was his rookie year or his second year where he, he like had his knee buckle inward and down onto the turf and he just popped up. Like, what is, why, why are you up? Like you should be writhing in pain. And uh, so John had a good comment here. Do you have to list all the injuries? I saw that one. You do have to list them all. If it's, if it's mm -hmm. significantly different body parts. So if someone had like shoulder and, and ankle, you do have, you're really supposed to list them. Technically, you can get away with not if you're going to claim, well, the shoulder wouldn't have held them out, because, but the ankle was bad enough that it did. So there's a lot of games going on uh, with these teams. It's You can't take it all at, at face value. Uh, it's a lot it's of, mind games. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, that kind of covers it, right, with the uh... – with the injuries, or we got anything else to cover? The injuries, and just real quick, just to look at the New York Giants. Ignore that Atletico thing down there. Don't go there, BT. Uh, they're not good. Um, <laughs> there, we can see here. Giants got a lot too. Uh, some of these are interesting. Cordell Flott, who every time I did a mock draft, by the way, he was always sitting there and wanting me to draft Flott as my cornerback. I don't know why, um, but he's one of the starting corners. That's going to be important for them. Uh, Wandell Robinson, which who I know is your bay. He's He's hasn't participated. He's been out for a couple I weeks. Don't, I don't Shepherd. want to talk about. It. He does not exist to me anymore. <laughs> Kadarius Tony. I mean, like every one of the receivers is hurt. Kadarius Tony does not exist to them anymore either. Yeah, I don't. They just don't. They don't mess with Tony anymore. I don't understand it. Uh, he barely played even when he wasn't hurt. Um, Leonard Williams. If he doesn't play, that's a big one. We can get. We're gonna. That's get your. That that's their run stopper. Yep. So. That you will, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we preview the game, but they, they are also suffering from the injury bug uh, at some key positions. But, yeah, yep. that's what we got. So yep. All right. Mm -hmm. What's so, next, then? What else do we got next? on the docket? 
There we go. I figured out how to hit that button. Look how smart I am. Next, what we have is a little trip into you know thought process for fantasy football. Uh, do you like my Pegasus <laughs> bear? <laughs> it's a bear assist, all right? Bear assist. Thank, that's actually bear ursus. Damn it. No, this is bear bear. Um, so <laughs> we're going to do that. No one submitted any, so we're just going to do a quick run-through for some of these. Sure. Uh, this is going to be new to me. I haven't even seen these. Sterling Shepard. We just saw that. Didn't participate. Well, that's because he's has a ACL tear and is done. It, and prayers out for him, man. That guy yeah. is a solid NFL football player and clearly well-respected around the league and just can't catch a break. And so, the other individual we're going to look at is Saquon. Um, important for this game coming up, too, right? Uh, he had that ACL tear against the Bears back in October 30th, 2020. A uh, couple of questions I did get about him in general were, like, why is he all of a sudden back, right? So 2021, he was playing, but he wasn't doing too great. Uh, and that's because, really, you're not back to your 100% until two years post-op. And look where we're at, two years post-op. Mm-hmm. Uh, players rush back far too often. One year, you're chilling at about usually 75 80%. Uh, output, strength, etc. cetera. Uh, it's, so in a perfect world, you'd wait a little longer. But as of right now, Saquon is back to his Saquadness, uh, as we talk about. So also, Tua. Let's talk about Tua real quick. Um, yeah, let's talk about Tua. He's expected I didn't know back game. injuries make you dizzy. It's crazy <laughs> that, you know, you fall on the ground, bang your head, sh- shake your head multiple times, and the reason you're stumbling is actually due to your back spasms. And in doing this, too, your back spasms make you shake your head. It's weird. So if our sarcasm didn't show it, we both don't believe it. <laughs> anything no, that there's No saying. way. Absolutely not. The NFL has tried to get around this uh, and try to prevent this, I should say, by having an independent neurologist on site. The independent neurologist did clear to a – uh, said that he did not have the concussion, and he's back. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about this was specifically because the process of getting back from a concussion, even let's just ignore for that game, like for the next one, is mm-hmm. a bit arduous. Because once you get diagnosed with that, you have to go through multiple steps. First, just everyday activities. You can't get any symptoms, you know, dizziness, headaches, nausea, light sensitivity, noise sensitivity, all those things. Then you have to be able to do light cardiovascular work, five to ten minutes, no weightlifting, and with no symptoms, then moderate activity where you get your heart rate up uh, with with body and head movement, like jogging, running longer distances, light, moderate intensity weightlifting. Once you clear that with no symptoms, then you can do finally heavy non-contact exercises. Then you can finally do heavy contact exercises and do some of your actual football Correct. drills and stuff, practicing full contact. And then you can finally go back to playing. So you can see how that would take time because in theory, one of those at least should be a day at a minimum. So if he got diagnosed with that, especially on a short week, the fact they're playing tonight, I'm not going to lie, it doesn't surprise me that there's some questionableness in terms of getting him diagnosed that in the first place. Truthfully, it's ridiculous. Like, this guy should not have been playing the second half. He probably shouldn't be playing this week. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) It's not my – I mean, I hope – I know Tua probably wants to play. These guys are the most ultimate – any professional athlete is typically the most ultimate competitive – person you're ever going to meet so i mean obviously he wants to but i just don't think it's in his best interest at this point you know his brain got scrambled clearly the people that need to protect the players 
right, are the coaches, the trainers, the doctors, because the players want to play. You know, we, we all, even uh, those of us who participate in recreational sports, who are weekend warriors, we want to play. Um, I feel attacked. Uh, yeah, you should, because I know it's absolutely about you. <laughs> and, you know, someone's got to protect them because um, because the players aren't going to do it. Um, and I got this shirt. This is an obvious shirt, obviousshirts.com. Uh, the guy that runs it is one of the best people I know, um, is an amazing person, and you should buy all of the shirts there. Um, they're awesome. Well, obviously they should. Obviously. Uh, and then we're going to look at, briefly, talk about Justin Herbert, Rashawn Slater. Right. So Rashawn Slater, bicep tear. Duh. Gone. In theory, we thought was I thought was going to be done for the season, but the fact that he, they, he wasn't put on season-ending IR and he was only put on the short-term IR changes things for me. Um because in theory, if you have a proximal tear, so basically right up at the shoulder here, and what you know, you would see that where it would tear mm-hmm. and then shoot down the arm, ball up. It would be done for the year, just because of how that attachment works. The rehab process is significantly longer and more more of a thing. But if you have a distal tear, so if it tears down here and then she moves this way, it doesn't ball up quite as much because you also you ha- do have some more stuff down here ligaments the tendons the other stabilizing muscles etc mm-hmm. that can help support the elbow and it's a much shorter process so Rashawn slater might be back for playoffs but for your fantasy purposes i'm almost done with <laughs> any receivers relating to uh the charges for right now justin herbert is still hurt he's got you know that rib cartilage fracture the, the, yeah the to- torn or broken rib cartilage right so yeah the rib cartilage fracture yeah yeah, just ill. Which is honestly worse than fracturing a rib. The, the yep. rib is much Absolutely. easier to deal with. Uh, the breathing is worse for the cartilage fracture. So you're dealing with tackles Trey Pipkins and Jamari Salier, who are who's a rookie. So I don't think he's going to have the, a ton of time to throw. Uh, fade a lot of those Chargers receivers. All right. And then and uh, what's the last Chris, one? Christian McCaffrey. Oh, man. Uh, Death taxes and Christian McCaffrey end, ending up on the injured report. Keep it short. Uh, he's been on the DMP now two days in a row with a quad injury. Uh, if you can, trade him away because he is not worth your time. Uh, get whatever you can for him. It's rough. Phenomenal player. Just You can count on him getting hurt. All right. So this is where we're going to insert a short little break here. Be back in a little bit. All right, now we transition to our preview section. So what we got here is what you need to know. Again, who doesn't love a little bit of, you know, the pininess going on here? Stop that. <laughs> I've been restraining myself not to use it every single time, so I'm, we're gonna, you're going to deal with it for now. You're looking at real this, mom. You can't tell me what to do. Looking ahead of this matchup, this is the epitome of the Spider-Man meme. We're just missing the third person. Because the <laughs> Giants and Bears are just mirrors of themselves. Quarterbacks Could you imagine just... if the Lions were involved? So we had the Lions, Giants, and Bears? Oh, my. Ah. Yeah, right. So, I mean. They're I just gave you a layup to use your dumb drum. You wouldn't even do it. I, I did. I, I'm I'm trying to get through this. We're running, we're running long. Uh, we, right, the run games are good. The, quarter, the quarterbacks are struggling. The defense for the Bears is better. Let's Let's not pretend like. Uh, the Giants or anything to worry about. Um, one thing that I did think was interesting, again, I mean, he's, uh, Luke Getzey had mentioned that on his sideline talk with Justin Fields after the interception to Mooney, 
you know, he said, we keep it real. We talk about what happened. Hey, this is what, this is what happened. This is how we can avoid it. So it doesn't happen again. And he's in that moment. He's basically a rookie, right? Even still, he's going through these experiences for the first time. And then just think I made a really bad decision and then not really know why. I think it's important to make sure you're explaining them things that happened. So what stands out to me there is Luke Getze looked at Justin Fields as a rookie. I've said this for pretty much the entirety of the this season, year one. preseason, yeah. etc. That year with Nagy was a waste of time. A waste of time besides just him getting beat up for no reason and maybe learning kind of a little bit how to operate as a quarterback in, in, in the NFL in general. But like that, even that's limited. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to go to our, our some of our specific stuff here. Our next one is called Love It, Hate It, Rehabilitate It. <laughs> what this section is going to be is we're going to have one matchup, something of that nature that we love, something that we hate, and one that if we were the coach, we would rehabilitate. We would fix it. So, Danny, what's your love? My love, the running game. Uh, it's firing on all cylinders. They're blocking it up well. Khalil Herbert has been an absolute revelation to this juncture in the season. Um, and it doesn't sound like Leonard Williams is in any sort of position to play at this very moment. I mean, obviously we want to see what the Friday notes and from practice hold, but um, him not being in there is a big deal. And Kayvon Thibodeau coming back from, I believe it was his MCL injury as well. Right. Yeah. Um, probably still ramping up and he's not Kayvon Thibodeau yet. He's not that level of athlete because his knee is probably still feeling a certain kind of way. And part of as well, you you know, probably better than most of us with rehab and getting back to normal is you it's mental. You have to know you're, you're back to being you. So he's probably got to get his wind to bottom. He's got to feel like he's cave on still. And I think the running game is the thing to love. What about you? I have the exact same one. Uh, I mean, bears currently have the second ranked rushing attack, uh, the DVOA rated sixth with 12.8%. So that means they're 12.8% better than the average, which is pretty darn good. And the Giants ranked 28th overall in defensive DVOA and 28th in rushing DVOA. That's not very good. So when you combine those two things, what's not to love? My hate, there's not a lot of hate about this matchup specifically. So because I, I was looking across the field, right, at the Giants, and there wasn't really anything I was like, oh my God, that's terrifying or that's going to mess the Bears up more so than what the Bears, the issues that they have. The thing that I th- I'm i going to hate about this is I think the Bears are going to rely heavily on that run game. And to me, I don't want it to be too much where it becomes a crutch. I still want Justin to throw. I still mm-hmm. want him to look and take an opportunity of a defense that isn't necessarily that great against the pass either and use it as a leap, as a launching point. Because if it's third and eight at the you know from the goal line, I want Justin throwing that ball. I don't want that to be a handoff. I don't even necessarily want it to be a design QB run at that point. I want Justin to diagnose, find, drop three steps, plant the foot, throw. I agree. So as opposed to you, my, I actually have something I really do hate about this game. Mm. Um, so in a world where defenses are going very much back to too high, so cover two, cover one, uh, some variation of cover four, cover six, where they roll up to s- roll roll the second cover defender back up to split the field in half at the top. Um, I really, if you 
you you cited PFF Moo earlier. Well, he cite, he had another stat of quarterbacks under pressure, and quarterbacks under pressure. Justin is again the worst in the league. At. Wink Martindale is the antithesis of everything today's league is doing, where he is just sending the house. This is what he does. Forty four percent blitz rate. He is bringing pressure and he's trying to make life hard. This is where it's like, so it's kind of, bringing pressure is a double-sided coin, right? Or a double-edged sword. Um, it can exploit the offense and really cause problems and fits and everything. But where it should almost, you would think, benefit Justin is his athleticism, his ability to get out and make something happen. And it's where when you bring that together, it's like you almost want – to, you know, almost you want to make them pay, and it's hard to envision it happening with how Justin clearly lacks trust in himself right now. He's a guy who clearly is used to being the best, and he clearly is having doubts within himself in some capacity. I, I'm not a psychologist; I never claim to be. But j- just listening to him, like, and I don't want to be the body language guy where I'm like looking at him on the sideline and stuff. But that's kind of like it's it's easy to see where he's clearly just he's up here. This isn't new. This is new to him. And and Nomad had it right. Wink is zero blitz drunk. He he did it last year to Lamar in the famous in the famous uh or not no he did not sorry that was the Dolphins that was not Wink where they just zero blitz Lamar to oblivion and they just decided they didn't want to do it. Um, but. That's the thing I hate, especially when you factor in how bad the passing game has been, the lack of trust within Justin and the passing system and the coaches and the targets and the protection. It just seems like a recipe that could spell danger, and it just it does, I don't like it. Totally fair. I, I, I agree with all that. My uh, rehabilitate it. I want them to – if I was the coach, I am focusing on two things. If you look at next-gen stats, they're focused on time to throw – and aggressive throw percent. Who has the longest time to throw in the NFL? Danny Dimes himself, 3.13 seconds. Hell yeah. Next, unfortunately, is Justin Fields at 3.06. Now, obviously, it's going to take its scrambles. Obviously, I threw threw that one PFF move chart up there. A lot of that scramble is going to extend that time, but that's a part of it. He's not getting the ball out. So I need Justin to have a couple more of those layup throws. And I know you and I talk about this all the time. Get some of those easy ones. One, two, three, throw. One, two, three, throw. Not everything has to be so hard. Find those easy ones. Build up the confidence. And the other thing with that, too, is, again, if you look at next-gen stats, Justin right now is unranked for aggressive throw percent. The only thing I can think of, because he has no percentage there. He has enough throws to count. But the fact that they're looking at his throws and basically saying that he has not attempted an aggressive throw. So he's essentially at 0%. So he's not throwing into any tight windows, which goes back to that general talk of confidence. Yeah. It's, oh God, that's tough to hear. Um, I guess that leaves me for my rehabilitated. Um, and it kind of goes back to Justin and kind of piggybacking, I guess a little bit off of it, but it's something where coaches think they can fix everything. And to me, it looks like Justin has gone backwards from under Nagy to now. And he's, we all lauded him for how his mechanics during camp and stuff. And during the preseason looked so good. Cause he was three step ball out the hitch in it, the little hitch that kind of elongated his delivery looked to be minimized and almost gone. And it looks like he's 
thinking. He's become a robot. It was like I said earlier in the show, and I want him to just play. It's one of those things. Yeah, you hate that he holds the ball. Yeah, you hate that he doesn't do this. That that he locks onto his deep target sometimes. That's the nature of who he is. But when he when you factor in that nature, the way he's wired to play football, and then tell him now you're thinking about your feet, you're thinking about your arm angle, you're thinking about this. He mm-hmm. he threw and played a certain way his whole career. His his quote unquote his general motor programming to do a certain motion to play was a certain way, and he tried to rehab it over the course of an offseason. That is hard to do. It's why you always hear these great athletes. Don't focus on changing everything overnight. Change one or two things and get better at one or two things every offseason. Don't try to change everything right away. And at a certain point, I also think it's on the coaches to, and I always harken back to Bruce Arians, where everyone's just kept telling Arians, you have to change Ben. You have to change Ben. And Arians pushed back, like, no, I don't want to change him because that's what makes Ben Ben. He held the ball too long. He did this. He did that. He took too many hits, which obviously led to a lot of injuries and the walking boot meme with Ben where Ben at some point in the season was always going to be in a walking boot on the sideline because he had to leave the game at halftime. But I almost would like to see him say, and even coaching to an extent, like to damn with the footwork and the mechanics a little bit. Just go play your game because he is such a, con- a like a confidence-based athlete, like a lot of guys are. It's like it's like a jump shooter getting gunned. He almost has like the yips, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Like I always heart like uh, Chuck Knobloch was a second baseman years ago for the Twins and the Yankees, and he could not throw from second base to first. He just couldn't do it. Why? It's not like he forgot how to throw a baseball. He just had the yips. He got up here. Like, so I want to see him almost be let off his leash and let himself go a little bit. Like, just be the Justin Fields. Because this isn't the kid we watched at Ohio State. That's a shell of him. Oh, it's, it's so it's night and day different. Like, so that's that'd be my rehabilitated. Almost let Justin loose and have the coaches almost say it's okay for Justin to be Justin in a way. Let, let Justin get a swagger back, right? I mean, Justin, what are your five, what are your 10 favorite plays? Let's just run those. Let's just do this to death. Like, what, what do you want to ha- run? The, like you said, just let him do his thing. Get that back underneath him. Right. It, it's just that that's a dangerous game to play if you say just those 10 plays over and over again. But you got to yeah. find something just to start or something. You build. You yeah. Open that no, no, I get you. I get you. <laughs> I got you. It's just, but it's frustrating because, you know, this kid, this isn't the same dude that came out of that that Buckeye program. It's just not. Well, that will lead us to our next part, which is the X-Factors for both the Bears and the Giants. Who do we think is the most important person, the most important concept that is going to give this team the edge? So why don't you start? Who is your X-Factor for the Bears? Uh, The X-Factor for the Bears, um, it's Justin, plain and simple. Like, it's easy to point to Khalil Herbert. Well, it's been good. An X factor is something that you need to have happen to win. I think Justin needs to be better for them to continue to potentially win going forward. Not like it's, I'm not like saying anything earth shattering here, but, and then I think the other one that I kind of played with just be even this is me saying, don't expect much. They're going to build Bayless into this game plan. If he plays in some way, shape or form. And that he's one of those guys, you give him, you know, 24 inches of daylight and he could go. He is that kind of fast. He is 
as one of my old coaches used to say, F you fast. (laughs) So that's another one to look out for. I'm not expecting much of him, but I could consider him an X factor. How about you, Mace? Uh, Actually, my X factor connected to your first one a bit where mine that'll help Justin. So mine is the pass rush. Can the Bears get home? Because uh, via pro football focus, the Giants currently rank 32nd in pressures allowed per dropback and 31st in sacks allowed per dropback. So it's mm-hmm. in theory time for the Bears to pad their stats because then you can flip the field, right? Get some shorter fields that you have to travel. Because right now the Bears sure. are going so far every time. It's like a 95 yard drive every dang time. And so yeah, if you and- can reduce that with some sacks and pressures, that'll help Justin. I agree. How about? How about uh, the X Factor for the Giants? What do you think? Bouge. X Factor for the Giants. Uh, I took the low hanging fruit on this one. It's Saquon Barkley. Uh, Giants have third most explosive <laughs> run plays in the NFL, <laughs> 10 plus yards with 17 of them. If the Bears somehow, and actually, so here, this was a question I meant to ask you earlier. What sure. do you, what is the, like, the highest, at, at its highest point, what stat line would you, would you have for Saquon Barkley knowing and be able to say the Bears contained him? He did this, and you're like, "All right, the, the that's containing Saquon Barkley." If you keep him under a buck twenty, like buck 20. they're go, they're they're he's gonna run, and they're bad at stopping the run. He's gonna get the ball. Mm-hmm. He is on the field with the highest percentage of snaps in the NFL of all running backs, and he and he is, I believe, the highest usage back in the league right now. Like he's not really even getting spelled. They're just running him into the ground, which. I'm sure he doesn't mind. Like he likes the work. He he's awesome. Like he, I think he finally feels like he's back to being himself after that knee. Because I don't think he felt that way after last year. And what do you got for the Giants? Um, I had Saquon, but I'll kind of uh, piggyback kind of like the opposite. Uh, I brought him up earlier, but Kayvon Thibodeau, if he feels like he's back, he could potentially be a game record, especially with you don't know what he's going to do at this level yet. You know he's got an unbelievable first step, and if he's feeling right. He could be a problem. I'm actually kind of excited because, you know, I I got to go to the combine this last year and uh, hear him talk, and just the way he presented himself was awesome. I'm um, seeing what he did on some of those uh, field drills was awesome, and the fact that he had the injury he had was unfortunate. It stinks that Kim coming back against the Bears, but you know, I don't think he's going to do anything stellar to be quite honest, uh, coming off that MCL. There's just, there's a lot more to happen before he's back to being to do, but it'll be, I'll be interested to see what he can do for sure. Same. I really liked him coming out of Oregon. Now a little more focus back on the bears. Who would you have as your offensive player of the game? So I'm going to completely kind of sound like a, like I'm being a hypocrite here, but I think it's going to be Justin. I think he's going to look like, a little, not a little, but a lot better from last week. And you're going to see the flashes and almost like the joy of the game come back a little bit because it doesn't look like he's even having fun right now. And that, I, I think that really matters. Like you got to enjoy that you're doing this. It can't feel like it's always a job. You know, it's like going to work and hating your, your life. I don't know what it is. There's something about the way his press conferences have gone the last couple of days or something about, just something in the air where I'm feeling that, like you're saying, this will be a game that he just says, you know, just flips the script and, he's, and he takes over a bit, gets back to it. And no, it's not going to be, you know, perfect passer rating. It's not going to be four touchdowns, but we're going, I think we're going to actually see some of that Justin from last year and some of the Justin from Ohio state. So I had him as my offensive player of the game as well. Okay. 
Defensively, I have Eddie Jackson. Uh, a, there's not a lot of options on defense, to be quite honest right now. I, it's a lot I would of just like to tell wrong. these people that we did not, like, talk that much before this show, and uh, I'm going to have to change my defensive MVP now. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because there's, like, three or four it could be, really it could be. And But, like, Eddie's being – besides his interception, like, you know, that, that was great. He's been a bit of an unsung hero in terms of what he's been doing on the field. And you really should break down the film, like what he can do and yeah. takes away is awesome. Has he had a couple of missteps? Yes. I think he had, I think it was like in the Packers. He sunk in a little too bit on that deep pass. I think to Sammy Watkins, I think that was a bit of a blown coverage on him. But overall, I mean, he has flipped around so much compared to last year. And if at the end of this game, if the Bears are winning, it's because Eddie Jackson not only did his job, but helped others when they have slipped up in their jobs. I have to agree with you there. Um, So what do we got next then? King of the North, MVP? What we got? Who's going to be your King of the North, your most valuable Oh, Oh, sorry. Let me – my defensive guy, the other guy I had written down, because of how just buggy-whipped Evan Neal's been getting early on and how productive and limited snaps Dominique Robinson has been, Um. I think he could have a nice game lining up because Robert Quinn only lines up on one side and it's not Evan Neal's side. So I think you could have a game where if he gets enough snaps, he could really make life miserable, especially given the level of athlete he is, how explosive he is off the ball, how productive he's been in his limited snaps to start the year. So I'll go with him to be different. Yeah. Not for King of the North. Yeah. Now we got King of the North. I already put the bear up. We're not going to do it again. So no, King of the North, bear. Uh, I have Khalil Herbert. Um, this is also assuming Montgomery doesn't play. Um, it's going to be my fear, like I said, for my hate it, is that they're going to lean so heavy on the run because at the end of the day, it's the NFL. You want to win games. Mm-hmm. Coaches want to win. Players want to win. Uh, the development takes a slight backseat here. So I think they're just going to feed him. And for all the reasons I said before as to why Montgomery may not get the deal he's looking for, this is why I think he'll be MVP of this game. What about you? Um, can I like can I see how I like how self aware Jaquan Brisker seems to be? Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, I really think Jaquan Brisker could have a big game today this week as well. Um, and why I think the defensive player of the game could be Dom Rob if things go right. I think Jaquan Brisker is going to make things go right, and you're going to see him wreaking havoc everywhere, especially with how bad those receivers are in New York right now and how really, for all intents and purposes, bad Daniel Jones is. Um, so I, I'll say I'll say tentatively Jaquan Brisker. So I'm sure my takes are going to age like milk because, you know, <laughs> football. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not going to lie. I threw money down on Jaquan Brisker for defensive rookie of the year. So I'm hoping he flips it around soon because I that pay I, mean, I don't think he's been bad. I, he's getting to where he needs – it's almost like he's got a hair trigger where he's, he's going too fast at times and needs to let himself almost settle down a bit. But I, I also just expected a couple more splash plays. Um, Same. He just always seems to be around the ball. So, you know, maybe a forced fumble, another fumble recovery, just like a couple more here and there. Sure. Absolutely. All right. So now we're going to move to some of our more, a little quicker section where we're going to do over-unders. Dan doesn't know what these are. I made these up. They might be terrible. Who cares? So the first one I have, (laughs) uh, 
Again, assuming Montgomery doesn't play over under a hundred rushing yards for Khalil Herbert. Ooh, hundred. I'll say over just because of the explosive nature of his runs and how bad the Giants run defense is. Especially factoring in that I don't think Leonard Williams plays. Okay. And they're committed to the run. You know what? I would say over as well. Um, I just think that they're just going to go crazy with it. Ebner is fine. Um, he he just isn't – they're going to lean on Herbert. Let's say that. Ebner is not doing enough that he's going to get the carries to steal that away. Um, over under one and a half passing touchdowns for Justin Fields. I'll say under because I do have him in my notes. Like I had a prediction of him getting three total touchdowns, but I thought two of them could be on the ground because it's just a way to get – you know, score. Scoring's fun. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll pick the under. Okay. Two and a half sacks for the Giants. I think that's a good number. Uh, I'll say under. I'll, I think they probably get two. I was I was leaning towards the under as well. I don't know. I just after last week, I think they're gonna really leave some tight ends and then do a lot more. They did yep. chipping for sure. They did chipping, but. Just a tip more. Sure. Uh, over under three catches for Darnell Mooney. <laughs> oh my God. Um, you know what? If I'm saying Justin's got to turn it around over, he's, he's got, he's got to catch balls. Eventually he's got what? Two total catches on the year. It, it's, it was a, it was a rough number I gave you. So I would, if you're saying he's going to turn around, the over makes sense. If you're going by what's happened, it's the under. The under. Yep. Um, and a good point there by John. Teams are averaging 3.3 sacks against uh, against the Bears. Absolutely. Um, that's kind of why I picked that number, because it's optimistic. Um, if you're thinking that they're going to protect Justin a little more, you know, maybe if Justin gets rid of the ball a little quicker, you're going to take that under. But, again, if you're going by the trend, you're probably going to pick yeah. the over. I'm trying to not be Mr. Cynical right now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not everything. We just had Tiff Tiff talk about how everyone else is doom and gloom. Like we're trying to bring a little sunshine to this. Uh, last one of the over-unders two and a half naked rollouts by the bears. Naked uh, under because they're, they ran a lot of the naked stuff and they're just keying on it right now. I'm not sure if it's a Justin selling problem or if it's just screw it. Don't fight. Tell the end, stay home when he comes crash down on him. Like, I, I genuinely like don't know. Four or five. Four or five. Yeah, I had four or five. And then in the last one, uh, Petrie, like, just destroyed Justin because they knew it was coming. Yep. Fun. <laughs> All right. Only a couple sections left here. Now, this one, the name's going to change every time, uh, as you can tell. But this is Bear Down or a Big Blue Giant Problem. This is the section where... You take. We have a list of players. It's rapid fire. So I'm going to say one player from the Bears, one from the Giants. Danny's going to say which player he would prefer to have on his team. He's a GM for whatever reason. He's to just take one of these players, slap them in there, and uh, we're going to go from there. We'll react to a, maybe a couple depending on what he says. And uh, you ready for the offense first, Danny? Do it. Khalil Herbert, Saquon Barkley. Saquon, not even a thought. David Montgomery or Saquon Barkley? Saquon. <laughs> Cole Komet or Daniel Bellinger? Ugh. I actually had this written down as one I was probably going to hear. 
I, I probably Daniel Bellinger. He just has looked better to this point. He's been getting consistent targets and catching the ball. Like it's not great production, but it's there. It's better than what two catches or whatever it is. Um, Sam Mustafer or John Feliciano. That's the center can, for the Giants. If you, if can I, can I, I know who he is, but can I say neither? Because I don't want either of them on my football team. No, one of them has to be your center. Uh, probably Feliciano. Devil I don't know better than the devil I do. Uh, Braxton Jones, Evan Neal. Well, Evan Neal's the right tackle, right? Yeah, but like if you compare right tackles, you're going to pick Evan Neal over Larry Borum. It was too easy. Oh, I thought you were going to go because they picked the kid from uh, from Alabama. Didn't they pick a left tackle last year? Hi. Yeah, but Evan Neal's more fun. Uh, probably Evan Neal, just based off of pedigree. Uh, Darnell Mooney or Kenny Galladay? Mooney. They're both underperforming like crap, but I'm factoring salary into that one as well. <laughs> one cheap, one is very expensive. I think I know the answer to this. Kadarius Tony or Equinemius St. Brown? Uh, Tony Pedigree, Dante Pettis or Wandale Robinson? Oh, Wandale. <laughs> Figured. And lastly, Justin Fields or Daniel Jones? Fields. That's just based upon upside. That's purely it. I think all those make sense. I would have pretty much made all of the same answer. I think maybe I would have picked. And I'm gonna get roasted for this. I maybe I would have picked Mustafer over Feliciano just because I barely know who that is, and at least Mustafer. I'm hoping eventually I get a center, and I yeah, I think he's a good backup center kind of thing. Um, but other than that, I agreed with you on pretty much all those. Uh, yeah, so I'm also fair discretion. I I am like Saquon Stan, and I hate that terminology because most of the younger generation has no idea what that even derives from or anything. But it's just one of those things like the otherworldly physical gifts that guy has are unreal. Like the big, the big knock on him coming out of Penn state was, well, he bounces everything. Like, do you know why he bounces everything? Because he can, and you can't stop him from doing it kind of thing. So um, I've just always been a big fan. Like, and I know it's uh, most people are, Oh, don't ever pick a running back high. I, to me, it's always going to be about getting the most talented football player and Saquon's one of the most talented football players at the college level I've ever seen declare for the draft. Yeah. Defensively, not as many interesting matchups because I'm gonna be honest, the Giants' defense is kind of doo doo. Um, so there's not as many. So first off, Travis Gibson or Kayvon Thibodeau? Uh, Travis or Kayvon? Probably Kayvon, just pedigree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Jones or Nick Williams? Uh, Jones. We had the Nick Williams experience here. Most of his sacks were cleanup work because everyone else on that those defensive lines that got him paid were good, very good. Nicholas Morrow or Tay Crowder? I kind of want to lean Tay. So okay. I'll go Tay. Cordell Flott or Kyler Gordon? It's a tough one, but I'll go Kyler because of the uh, body control and the fluidity of his of his motions when he moves around. Julian Love, Jaquan Brisker. Brisker. Yeah, and the other thing I would throw in on there with Gordon, it's still just more untapped potential. Um, they're also you're talking yeah. about pedigree. I mean, second round versus I mean, flaw was third, nowhere near. Was yeah, it was, third, was down. Eighty eighth or eighty ninth pick, I thought, but I could be misremembering. 
keep in mind, Kyle is trying to learn two positions right now, right? He's trying to do the best he can with it. His safety blanket has been hurt, was hurt last game. Uh, you played against Aaron Rodgers, who is going to target you as much as possible. It's rough for him right now. It's a bad time. All right, two more sections left, and we out of here. Game predictions. So we're starting with Bears Giants, and we got a couple other other ones as well. So we got Bears at Giants. Giants are minus three currently. Who you got? I think the Bears win on the under and cover. Obviously, if they win, I just have a hard. I mean, this is probably me wearing my Bears goggles on, but like I have a hard time being scared of the Giants. It's it's for me. It goes to quarterback matchup, and I know Justin is struggling right now, but I just straight up can't pick Daniel Jones over almost Neither anybody. Neither of these let alone teams Justin. are good at football is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, ugh, it's not good. So yeah, I would agree with you. I'd say I take the bears. Uh, it's still going to be close. So, I mean, it's going to be like a low scoring game, right? So maybe like 20 win by six, 24 point, 24 bears uh, might be where I would lean on that. Uh, we had right here from, sophisticated thoughts going with the highest scoring output 31 16 bears if the bears put up 31 points i'm gonna run down northwest highway screaming <laughs> right, you heard it here first you're gonna need a video of that when if and when that happens uh now we got tonight's game uh miami at Bengals. uh Bengals are favored by three and a half uh I think the Bengals probably just went outright. I don't know how to feel about that line, but I think that Joe is starting to feel himself a little bit. You're talking about a scrambled egg brain to a Takavailoa on the other side. But again, speed kills. They've got they've got Waddle and they've got Tyreek, so you never know what might happen. And I actually thought that the the Bengals defense was pretty good, but we're gonna see what they're made of tonight because that, that speed ain't nothing nice. Yeah, I, uh, have you seen the uniforms that the Bengals are wearing? Drip City Bengals win. Oh my God, the the whiteout, the whiteout, the whiteout Bengals. Yeah, they're awesome. It's the best uniform in the NFL, I think. Uh, I think this for me, this is the game of the week. From now, I'm gonna be looking at. I think this is just gonna be awesome. Bills at Ravens. Bills are favored minus three. What do you got? You know, I made a weird prediction earlier in the year or in the offseason, that by the end of the year, Justin Herbert would be the best quarterback in football. And I'm a Lamar like fanboy. That's like my favorite football player in the league right now. And, I, you know, full disclosure, I'm a Louisville Cardinal football fan, so that definitely plays into it. Um, but I have a hard time. I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback on this level. Like, just not like, oh, well, Brady, Rodgers. No, I'm saying like, this guy has got the game in the palm of his hand in Lamar Jackson, where he's doing mm. anything and everything he wants. And that was a tough game that Miami just pulled out against Buffalo. Um, I, I, I'm i going to go with the Ravens to win. I thought I was going to be oppo here. I mean, I did the same thing. I did Ravens. Lamar is on revenge tour. All right, you're not going to pay me. I'm going to show you why you need to pay me. So this was – I akin this a little bit to years ago when Kevin Durant left Russ after telling Russ he was staying. I was all over social media saying, I can't wait for the effort Russ season. And we got the effort Russ season. And the same thing this year. When they didn't agree to his contract, I texted my one of my good friends who is a Ravens fan, and I go, we are in for the effort Lamar season. 
because this is going to be awesome. And that's what he's doing. I mean, I have him on a, fa- a couple fantasy teams. I mean, four touchdowns consistently, like you said, through the air, on the ground. Does, he's doing whatever he needs to do. And it's not like his weapons are crazy, right? I mean, you got rid of Marquise Brown. Devin Duvernay is his most ways. productive wide receiver right now, I believe. Who's Yeah, he slipped it around. Uh, I mean, your best, really your best weapon is on paper probably your tight end, who's not even the most productive of tight ends. I mean, comparing that to Kelsey and such, it's really cool what he's doing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's in the unreal. division, take a quick peek. Vikings at Saints. The Vikings are favored by only two and a half. Uh, I, so for as gangbusters as that offense went, it almost felt like Kevin O'Connell emptied the magazine, so to speak, in that first game, showing off all his new toys and weapons, and they've been struggle city since then. Um, but the Saints aren't much better. Like they, And they're failing to get their best offensive weapon Alvin Kamara even involved, it feels like. And I know Jameis had the LASIK, and clearly he still can't see his own team. So um, I think I'm going to go with the rate with the uh, Vikings to, to win. I had Vikings too. Um, I agree that I they haven't really figured this offense out yet. They, they, they definitely went gung-ho against the, the Packers, and now it's like, oh, now what? Um and, but the Saints are just beat up. Jameis is hurt. He's playing with like a broken back. His two two of his receivers, Landry uh, as well as Michael Thomas, didn't even finish the last game. I have a heart. The Saints are just not good right now, so it's hard to pick them. No, they're bad. <laughs> they're, they're not good, but you know, meh. All right. Last but so, not least, uh, I was gonna say, can I throw? I I had one that oh, I'm probably got? gonna hate, hate watch on. Um, it it was the Cards and the Panthers. This is like oh. an, a a battle of. The cards look like a team like the bottom is ready to just completely fall out of it. And I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. I didn't I don't like him. I don't think he's a good football coach. Kyler Murray is keeping that thing afloat by being a magician at times. And then it's like the other end where the Panthers just the offense is grotesque to watch. But if you really watch the defense that Carolina runs, it's fun. They've got some fun defenders like my alum from SIU. Uh, Jeremy Chin is a ton of fun to watch when he's on the field. Like they And they do some fun, interesting stuff. And I think his name is Lou Anamaro or something like that. I forget his name. But that that's a game I wanted to see what your feelings were because I'm going to hate watch it, and I know I am. And I'm just pulling up the line right now. Where – they are the, – the Panthers are favored at minus one and a half. Shows you what Ve, what Vegas thinks of them. I'm, I'm taking the, the cards then. I mean, I was going to take the, the Cardinals probably before, but the, the Panthers' offense is broken. Like, I don't understand, like, what is going on there. You, first, and this is where this is why I picked it, because I actually think the Panthers are going to pull it out. Wow. Oh, maybe, but <laughs> I just – I don't like Rule. I don't think he's a good head coach. Uh, I think that he makes excuses and com- – complains but i mean yes he has an good quarterbacks so, i mean sam darnold clearly isn't good uh you had cam newton for a hot second but i i personally don't think baker is bad i mean going back to brown stuff i think that whole thing was a bit overblown he's a middle tier just right in the middle quarterback uh and yes you got cmc hurt but you also got guys like people are trying to leave that team like they're that team's falling apart the defense is great and that's what sucks is I, I can't remember his name but whoever that defensive coordinator is i hope when rule gets fired because not if but when that he can get another job somewhere because that defense is awesome and yeah it, it's a lot of fun what they do over there yeah but 
but Kyler is just doing Kylery things. Uh, maybe just he's playing a little less Call of Duty yeah. right now, and it's always yeah. the beginning of the year, so he's not quite, you know, stuck broken on his Xbox yet. quite yet. And he's not broken yet because he's small and he gets hit. Yeah, that did that too. <laughs> um, but we just we teased it a coccyx and pull story. We uh, had to, of course, finish up with at least one more. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're not familiar with the phrase. Uh, a cock and bull story is something unbelievable. So this is our bold prediction section. We got one offense, one defense. Danny, what do you got? Um, offense, I kind of gave, I kind of let the cat out of the bag earlier. Uh, we're going to get three uh, total touchdowns out of fields. Two on the, I, I predict two on the ground, one in the air. Um, again, it's going to age like milk. I'm sure they're going to put up a whole, you know, 18 points with six field goals or something like that, just to, you know, really make me hate myself. But that's what – how about your offensive one? Uh, my offensive one is that – oh, by the way, thank you, John. Thank you. Love the nerdy puns. You know, I spent some time trying to connect. How do I make a Bears and injury physical therapy podcast combine? Puns would tie it together. You know what? You're my favorite person in the chat right now. Sorry, everyone else. But mine was that <laughs> Justin ends the game with a pass rating of 80. That's bold for me, considering he ranks last right now with a rating of 50, 50. and had a passer yeah. rating of 73.2 average last year. So if he can end with an 80 passer rating, pretty bold. What about your defensive one? Um, I kind of, again, alluded to it earlier, but I think Travis Gibson and Dom, and Dom are going to just make Evan Neal's life hell because Travis has come to play since a pretty – uninspiring showing I would say in in San Francisco which again it's hard to it's hard to take that game for anything more than what it actually was because of the monsoon aspect of it but uh, I think both of them are gonna probably have a sack Travis because he gets a little more you know snap percentage maybe two again and we're gonna see a, and then the the league is officially gonna be quote unquote on notice of the Travis Gibson breakout season because I believe he had two last week as well if memory serves nice yeah, mine was uh, I'll relate to that a little more big picture, I guess. Uh, Bears get two takeaways and five sacks. One of the takeaways being, yeah, I think they're just gonna get after it. One of the takeaways being a Jaquan Brisker pick. Uh, I like, I think he's due. Like I said, picked him for defensive rookie of the year. He just has a, a knack for being around the ball. Uh, he did that Penn State Wisconsin game uh, was a perfect example of it of how he just is there. Um, he hasn't necessarily been able to do that as much this year so far, but rookie finding his way and Daniel Jones just kind of throws things up there sometimes. And these receivers, as we saw, are not great. They definitely challenge the bears for lack of talent across the board, especially with the injuries they're dealing with. They got people just not practicing. I mean, I don't know who's going to roll out there. I'll we'll have to wait for that injury report on Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you, if you can't, you can't run in every single play in theory. Um, so Bill Belichick nods in disagreement. <laughs> Bill Belichick is, Bill Belichick is the only way I can put that. But um, that's, that's, <laughs> the that's the show we have for you. Thank you for yeah, tuning thanks. in, everyone that Thank stuck you. around. Uh, first one in the bag. You know, any thoughts, concerns, ponderings, leave a comment. No. I thought you were asking me. <laughs> oh, no. Your opinion doesn't, your, your opinion's erroneous in, in this whole thing. Erroneous. Erroneous on both accounts. Um, but, yeah, like we always look, always looking for feedback from y'all. Y'all are the things that keep us going here. Um and if there's anything else you, you want from this kind of thing, let us know. Other than that, uh, bear down, everybody. Doodle-doo.